welcome to season two, episode number five of What's, What's Friends? I'm Shelly. I'm Bianca. And I'm Deanna. And here we come together to serve the group. We and are we're back. back. And we're back. We are pushing these podcasts out. Yes, so see, we're like deep into season two now. Yes, we are. We are deep into season two in the month of February. Yes, yeah. very love special month. love month. Yes, so this should be a very exciting month with guests. We definitely hope you guys enjoyed our last guest, Apostle Eric and Pastor Lisa Harris. They they were amazing. Yes, teaches us how to push beyond our fears and live faithfully and fearless. Um, I think they gave us some really good advice on how to stay calm. Yeah, and I, I my takeaway is you are human. You're going to have fear. Um, you know, no one's a robot where they don't have feelings and, you know, things are Anxiety happening. and yeah. frustrations. It's all those natural. Um, but they kind of just enough. Um, but it was a lot of good stuff in there. And I think that, you know, it definitely helped me. And I'm sure it's something that could help a lot of people along their journey because, you know, everybody's not at the same um, beginning point, but we're all going to get to the same end. Yeah. Definitely go back and no- rewatch that episode as many times as you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when you at a tough point, I like to watch stuff when I'm at a tough point to like remind me to keep. The yeah. Thing. So this is a good video to go back to when you're having a day. Yeah. Back to the video and like, all right, you know what? They no, right. Because <laughs> what I said, I said it was like, go back to what I see. Yeah. And like, uh, comment, <laughs> subscribe, share. Because yeah. you know, you sharing this video might help someone else. You know. Yes. absolutely and leave us a comment you know let us know um you know how what your thoughts or feelings are you know yes. after watching the video so. absolutely but yeah so we have a a brand new show today we're really excited about this guest uh, we're gonna get the show pop a locking so when you see us again uh, we'll we'll be ready we'll be ready with our guests so enjoy this episode enjoy. Eros is a man that holds many titles. Father, motivational speaker, spoken word poet, and mentor. A follower of his once said, Eros has the rare ability to touch your soul while simultaneously inspiring you to be a better version of yourself. I heard him once do a piece called Cry King, and it literally moved me to tears. I see great things in his future, and I know his work will continue to heal and inspire everyone who has an opportunity to hear him speak. Another follower expressed, this man's flow and intensity he puts into his words is unmatched. Everyone who enjoys spoken word should see arrows. And lastly, from a follower, one of the most amazing spoken word artists. He is literally the voice of the heart. If you ever had the privilege of hearing him speak, then you know how amazing he is at what he does. What's Brewing this podcast, Brew Crew, family and friends, welcome to the show, Eros. My name is Eros, uh, so I study love a lot. And I don't- well, hello. Hello. 
Yo, yo, yo. Peace and blessings, ladies. How are you? We are doing great. Wow, yeah. wonderful. How y'all doing, Deanna? Yeah. We are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got me blushing from that introduction. That was really nice. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And it's always good to see a black man blush. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. That is the goal. So we are so excited to have you on the show. Um, Thank you. My first, my first time experiencing um, your your spoken poetry, your written word was at an event. We share a mutual friend, LaShonda. I know she's your best friend. My best friend, yeah, absolutely. She, she, she talks about her best friend, she loves her best friend. <laughs> um, we, me, Deanna, Bianca, we have a very similar relationship where we always have each other's back. You know, we started this podcast together. So it's very um, enlightening to see what you guys share. I think that, that's beautiful. It's a very beautiful friendship. Absolutely. But I saw you first at her event and I mean, bold a lot of bold things you would say but you definitely got the room shaken so mm -hmm. yeah it was it was amazing yeah thank you thank you yeah it was her uh the uh launch of her wine company legacy libations um she had a beautiful launch event and uh i think that night i shared uh time for you if i'm not mistaken which is really just about doing exactly what lashonda did that night which was taking the time out for herself to pursue her business, pursue her dreams and make it all come to fruition. And I think that, you know, uh, I was happy to share that, but also to inspire the next person, because we're all sitting on some business, some idea that we just haven't really spent the time to cultivate. And so just make major kudos to her for stepping out on faith. And since she's done that, she's just been, you know, blossoming with new business, new customers. She's an extremely dope human being. So, yeah, I remember seeing you there too. And if I'm not mistaken, you are the graphic designer who created. Yes. Yes. Um, her, her labels for that. So, um, there's some talent, extreme talent, you know, right across the room from me. So, you know. Yes. Yeah. So we kick our show off. We like to do some icebreakers. Okay. Just to kind of get the the room moving, make you think, uh, make you more comfortable. So we'll get started. Let's in the last six months, what was the best thing you bought for yourself? The best thing I bought for myself in the last six months will probably be my own copy of uh, my book that I, I released in June. So I released a book in June called um, Love Notes by Eros, Volume 1. And it was just a compilation of poems that I had written. I self-published through Amazon. And I decided to, you know, just buy myself a copy. I didn't buy the artist copy. And this may sound weird to people, you know, like as an as an author, you can purchase your own cop your own book at a discount, mm -hmm. and you can just get them in bulk if you buy them in bulk. But I actually purchased it as a consumer. Yeah. Um. And it was just I wanted to experience the whole experience of getting like what my what the consumers would get, right? People who are fans of me and will read read this book, and I've since then got a chance to really like delve into my work as a reader and not as the creator. And I've been having extreme fun uh, with just critiquing my own work, asking myself questions that I don't really dig into into the book. Um, and I just, I don't know, it's taken me on a different journey and it's allowed me to see my art from a different perspective. So that's probably one of my, my best gifts I've given myself. Self-reflection is great. So Absolutely. We, we've gone into the coffee business and I, we've all purchased a bag of coffee 
And I think that's so important for an entrepreneur to do to take a step yeah. back and look at your product from a consumer. Yeah. yeah, that's that's dope. Yeah. What about so, you, Bianca? The last six months, the best thing I bought myself, I bought myself a new car. So <laughs> my last car, you know, God bless it. It lasted me for a while, but it was struggling in the snow. So I would get so nervous driving in the wintertime. So I was like, I need a new car. So that was the best thing about myself. I feel much safer now. <laughs> so. Very cool. What about you, Deanna? Um, I would say I've, I've bought a few things. I actually purchased a car too, but I wasn't thinking like that was the best thing I bought, but it probably is. But I was uh, more in tune to the, like, I've recently bought some really good, nice body butters and um, oils and things that I've been enjoying. We ain't gonna let this whip thing go. Um, for me, it was my Apple Watch. <laughs> I needed it. Um, my other one was slowly dying on me, but um, I needed a new one so I can get this this workout thing going back again. All right. Sound like I'm on an interview with a bunch of ballers. Y'all buying cars and Apple Watches, and I just oh. bought a book. <laughs> I needed a car. What's that? What's that out here? <laughs> I'm currently paying for it in installments. So okay, okay. okay. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm out <laughs> uh, guys, what random topic can you talk about all day long? Mm -hmm. Arrows, we'll start with you. Um, I love to talk about the human experience um, when it comes to love. Um, I'm real big on just discussing how we love, right? All these different ways. And, and that's all encompassing. I can go on love for probably days weeks um and it, as it relates to forgiveness and, and and our relationship with god our relationship with our children with family romance um you probably couldn't get me to shut up talking about it because uh i study it so much because it fascinates me that's good now my answer doesn't sound as deep <laughs> I have a feeling that that's gonna keep happening tonight because i'm like oh <laughs> The um, things that I could talk about randomly all day long is like interesting documentaries I see, mm. you know, on TV. Like I watch stuff like how a company started, yeah, um, like how Kellogg's got its start and things like that. So when I watch those, it's like so fascinating to me that I could talk about that all the time. Very cool. What about you, Deanna? Hmm. Like, what are the things I can talk about? I feel like we could probably answer that better talking, saying it from from each other's perspective. Like, what do I think you can talk about forever? But um, let's see. I could probably I could talk about a number of like financial principles on, on mm. and on. Um, I could talk about like natural hair care on and on, and um. I'll just stick with those two. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I feel like there's a, a, a whole plethora of things I could talk about. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, for me, I, I I will always talk about Cafe Coco Latte. I try to bring it up <laughs> in every conversation. Um, Eros, we're going into business together. We're looking to open up our own cafe soon. That's um, awesome. Yeah, so I talk about that a lot. Um, politics, I can always talk about politics. So much so where I had to like take a rest from it. <laughs> um, and then crime, murder, mysteries. Whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I can okay. talk about it all day, like the who done it. No, no. Shelly might be on the episode of Snapped. Right, exactly. <laughs> I have no plans on snapping on anyone, but there is that thought of to be interesting, you know. How people get there. So who is your favorite poet? Um, that's such a difficult question to answer for me, um, because inspiration just, uh, I can pull it from so many different places. I, I think really, uh, a, a, I mean, it's a good question, but I think a more appropriate question for me would be, uh, at this moment in life, who's my favorite? Because, you know, it really is dependent on kind of where my vibration is. And, uh, right now I've been listening uh a lot to uh k love she has a a great platform of uh transparency and authenticity um geronimo speaks is one of my favorite uh poets from a wordplay perspective and kind of telling his story from the streets um, i'm a big fan of obi west big fan of black ice out of philadelphia um and the list goes on and on and on and on um and also this might sound a little little cocky but i'm also a fan of my own work like uh believe it or not like, I, I love listening to and, and growing in my art like i talk a lot about love probably more than any other poet i've ever seen or talk or, or listened to before um and i love that i love listening to my own music my own pieces that i've written um i draw inspiration from self and i think we all can kind of do that too when we really dig deep into who we actually are um you'll find all the inspiration you need just inside of self so yeah. I'm a fan of me too. <laughs> I, think, I think we should encourage that, you know, even yeah. more so because I think everybody tends to be very, you know, humble and you know critical too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that is it's like I said, good because you get to see yourself from someone else's perspective. Yeah. Kind of you can grade yourself, you know. So I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, you definitely put us on to some new names. I'm like, who? <laughs> like, let me, yeah, let me you won't be disappointed in so any of those artists. Yeah. Absolutely, you should check them out. They're all amazing. Okay, Love is on my album. Geronimo's on one of my on my album as well. Um, Black Black Ice from Philly. The first time I ever seen him perform was on HBO's Deaf Poetry, mm-hmm. and I had just never seen anything like that in my life. And I remember the first time I saw K Love was on a YouTube video, sitting in her car doing a piece, and then. She has another piece called Million Dollar Melanin that went viral. And this is long before I met her and long before we became friends. Um, I just knew that when, when I listened to her that I wanted a piece of that power, like the ability to just express yourself so freely mm-hmm. and unapologetically. And she's saying this piece about how powerful her melanin is as a black woman. And I'm like, man, this is the energy I want to tap into. Like, how did you get to this place where you're able to love yourself so transparently, so fearlessly and share it on a video? And um, 
now she's one of my my closest friends and I'm, I'm very happy to say she's definitely been able to help me you know improve my art my pen and my own transparency for sure yeah um i i love a lot of more modern poetry um i i really hate that like deaf comedy jam and deaf poetry jam are things that are no longer i think those were definitely great for the culture and it kind of exposed me to more people that you know you don't really um get to hear from Absolutely. Um, unfortunately it's almost like poetry is underground you know what i mean like not in a, a bad way but like more you know you have to find it um i would love for it to be more upfront or out front um you know for people to see because the world needs more love we need more of of what you guys are doing um, I, I i couldn't agree with you more the, so i always i hear that a lot um and here's so it, there's a twofold part to that so poetry is slowly but surely making its way up the ranks so to speak yeah. um and deaf poetry was a phenomenal platform for the space that it was in at the time because we didn't there was that was not happening there was no poetry show dedicated on like a national network for sure especially uh, pla uh poetry from like where we're from like from the hood the heart of the hood people talking about what they actually experiences real stories of the minority in america Right, mm -hmm. the real story, the black man who came up in the projects, like real stories of like fatherless boys and what that was like. And so that for a moment had its space, but now poetry is popping up in more just widely viewed places than it had at one time. Like for instance, Amanda Gorman, she did the yeah. inauguration, right? Yeah. Which we had never seen a poet ever yeah. step on the stage for an inauguration ever. Yeah. And especially spoken word poetry. And then um for the first time in history this year, Jay Ivey, who is the president of the Grammys here in Chicago, hmm. has finally created a category in the Grammys just for spoken word poetry. Another oh, thing yeah. that has never happened in history. And yeah. so there's a lot of things that are moving. A lot of uh, hip hop artists are now using spoken word to introduce their albums. And really the call to action is we need people to push the art. Yeah. So you know, share the pieces, you know, share them with your platforms and let people hear it. You know, we're really quick to say, hey, this this song or this sermon gave me life today. But we need to do the same thing with poetry and spoken word. Sometimes it's like we almost are kind of habitually keep them to ourselves. But the more we push it, the more we put it out there, the more exposure it gets. And as artists, we have to do a better job of also broadcasting what we do. Poetry has been kind of a secret community way back in the early 1900s when they would have speakeasies like in the back of a store somewhere. And nobody would know, but everybody's right standing on their soapbox and they're saying their piece and there's power to the people and revolution this and revolution that. But it was quiet and kept quiet because if it was outspoken in the world, these people would get arrested for what they believed and what they thought and what they said. But now we have to kind of get past that and really start sharing it with the world and putting our soapbox in front of the, the entire world. You know what I mean? So um, we're getting there. Uh, did we all answer? Uh, my Angela. My Angela? Tiana? I'm like, I don't really know if I have a favorite at the moment. I'm, you know, my favorites on everything change all the time, too. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, maybe Eros is my new favorite. Say it again. Again, rewind. Say it again. That's right. That's right. And it don't have to be the same tomorrow, but today is Eros, and I'm good with that. You know, I'm happy with that. 
Absolutely. Great answer. My favorite <laughs> answer of the night so far. Excellent. I know we was in a competition, but I don't give you that. <laughs> so if yeah. you could have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? <clears throat> Man, that's a great question. Um, an unlimited supply of anything for the rest of my life, it would probably... be energy. Mm. And I mean energy for everything, energy to love, energy to keep going, energy to, to just try again, energy to work. Um, because really, that's where we die, right? Like when we run out of energy within any specific thing, like mm. you, you lose the motivation for it. And I think that if my energy supply was always full, and I'd always be able to stay on the go and always be able to create and do the things that I want to do. Um, even from a relationships perspective, if I had unlimited energy, that moment where I don't want to try again, I'd find it, right? You, you, you'd yeah. be willing to push a little bit harder, no matter how many heartbreaks you had, no matter how many times you were disappointed, unlimited energy to just keep going um, just gives me Energizer Bunny vibes, right? And so, yeah. That's good. Energy. Mm -hmm. yeah, I Mine was pretty similar. I was going to say motivation and money. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, focus and money. Yeah. yeah. Now, I didn't know we could name two things. Now, <laughs> I was going to say money, too, but I'm like, yeah, you know, if I said money, what if I was out of here tomorrow? Then the money don't serve me no purpose, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you you got the energy to, to go make. Well, I got money. enough energy to ask y'all for some of y'all money, so I'll just keep asking. <laughs> that works. <laughs> that works. Um, for me, creativity. Um, mm -hmm. so the fact that I get to wake up every day and do something yeah. that I love, and it doesn't. It's one of those things that doesn't seem to want to run out, you know. Um, and it's fun, you know. Yeah. It's, it's like, how do you calculate this so this looks like something no one has ever seen before? It's awesome. Um, that's so awesome. Create creativity for me. Great answer. So we are going to, now that we've gotten past our, our icebreakers, we want to learn even more about you. Uh, we know poetry is your thing, and we kind of got our audience ready with your intro video with one of your poems. So we would love if you would recite something for us. Um, that would be amazing. Please. Okay. <laughs> so, so any poem or the one specifically? Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of want the one. That, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I know it's easy to to give up on love, especially for those of us who've had uh, less than favorable experiences. But I still want to be embarrassingly in love. I've heard a lot of love stories and I've read some really good books and I've even seen the way the TV and social media tell me that love is supposed to look and look, I'm not trying to say that a lot of the love that we see out here in the world today is fake, but a lot of the love that we see out here today is fake. And I guess what I'm really trying to say is that I, I just want to get back to those days where love was great. You see, I want to be 
dependent on love, addicted to love, a victim of his image, make me the very vision of love. I want love to envelop me, to develop me while I'm developing and to avail to me its ecstasy. I want to be entrenched in love, drenched in love, dipped in love, easily convinced, no common sense, just make me immense with love. No, I don't, I don't think y'all get it. Let me see if I can be a little more specific with my descriptions. I want the kind of love that's gonna make me like walk you to work and then just sit there and watch you while you work. And I know that that probably sounds berserk, but being apart from you just won't work. So I guess I'm gonna probably just have to get a job where you work. And if they refuse to hire me or God forbid, if they ever fired me, then you probably just shouldn't go to work. Do you understand how this works? No, okay, let's let's try this. I want the kind of love that's gonna make me use all my unlimited phone minutes in my data plan just to call you. And I realize that that probably sounds like the kind of love that's gonna stalk you because when you look through my call log on my made calls, my missed calls, and my dial calls, it's gonna be all you. In fact, every night before we cut off our lights, I wanna have to confirm before God that I was the last man that saw you. And then I wanna sleep with my eyelids rubbed up against your nice skin so when we awaken, I could never say I made the mistake of taking my eyes off you. No, you, you still don't get it. I wanna name all of our children after you, the boys too. And I don't care what people will say because I think your name is great. In fact, if it were up to me, we could name every item in the world the exact same way so I could easily say that I've had the privilege of calling your name all day. And even that doesn't accurately explain what I'm trying to say. And I know, I know it all sounds like a fantasy, but real love is so much deeper than just the surface romance to me. Even though these words were written romantically, I wanna help you understand that I'm attached to we, and I am frantically trying to prove to you that you're the perfect match for me. And I know it sounds like fairy tale writing, just fake and unlikely, but why would life with the woman most like me ever be denied me? Why would love ever choose to defy me when it knows I would never let a woman like you get by me? Queen, I want a reputation for defending you because I'm so into you. I want people to say stuff like, you better not say nothing about her because you already know how Arrow's gonna get. How Arrow's gonna trip. So they avoid forming any form of a diss about you with their lips. I wanna love you so intense that they have to send out search parties when we kiss because I can find myself getting lost in your lips. Can you see how deep in love I'm trying to get? I'm not talking about snapping pics of our exotic trips or stage and amazing backgrounds when we kiss. I'm not posting no vids of how close we is just so we can boast and brag on how many hearts and likes we get. I would rather our most intimate moments just stay private. Queen, I wanna love you so deep that when people do ask us what our secrets are, we just stay silent because we fear losing this spark that we just ignited. I wanna love you that much. I just wanna be embarrassingly in love. No fakeness, no filters, no second thoughts and no pretending. Let's just accept what God has given us. He had it pinned in 1 Corinthians. Let's love forever. Let's be embarrassingly in love together. Thank you all. That was beautiful. That was so good. And it's so hard not to start sinking in my seat. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that was exactly what I'm talking about. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for letting me share. And I appreciate that. It's very beautiful. And it's it's so beautiful to see everybody's reactions to those words too. Yeah. Um I, I look over in the audience, look over at Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> 
dating a couple times over there, but no, it's yeah. absolutely amazing. I was like, not him sitting in the cubicle next to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny though, because when I when I say that poem, the reactions are always different depending on who hears it. And I think that the reality is this, like you all, you, you all know how it is when we meet somebody like new for the very first time. And it seems like you just, it's so exciting in the beginning, right? Like that that early stage is like you find the time that you would normally never give to anybody else, but you'll find it for this new person that you're really, really into. You'll text more, you'll call more, you know you got a job to do, you taking calls between clients, you're doing all these things just to hear their voice. And I think that part of us really wants to feel like we can be unbridled when it comes to love. Now, obviously, we're not going to go work where the person works and do all these things, but it's just the idea of how badly we want to spend so much of our time with that person when we meet somebody that we feel like our heart is connected to. Okay. You know, and it's like, it's such a beautiful feeling in the beginning. Yeah. And sometimes when people... I was gonna say I actually met my husband at work, so that did. <laughs> look, stay right. So you 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 cut out the middleman. Like I'm just find somebody at work here already. <laughs> so you know that's 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 the idea behind the piece. Like you know, uh, I think that when we experience this eros version of love, and that's where eros comes from, is the idea of romantic love. It's so overwhelming and so overpowering that it kind of takes common sense out the window, so so to speak. And yeah. we just want to sit there in this bliss that we've created, you know. Is that love obtainable? Do you feel like that love is op obtainable? Something that I think, I think that I think that what happens is I, I don't think that that's honestly love, so to speak, right? I think that in the beginning, those feelings are enough to get us over the hump. Right. Because like you need that. You got to have some type of connection to draw you in. Right. It's kind of like uh, salespeople. Right. They tell you, like, you know, here's why you should buy this product. And you see all these things. It's got all the bells and whistles and you bring it home and you love it. But then it's not it doesn't always give what it needed to give. But the, the initial battle was getting it in your home. Right. And so they got to sell it to you. It looks great on display and all these things. And that's how people present themselves. We all do. We all have a habit of sometimes presenting ourselves as these very polished and well put together individuals. Mm -hmm. And we mask our traumas and our heartbreaks and, and, and what our habits are behind these beautiful smiles and faces and great conversations. But we need some of that because what would attract us to each other, if we walked up and like, hey, you know, my name is so-and-so. Sometimes I don't flush the toilet. You don't want to hear that. It's like, like, wait, hold on. Back. You know, I'm not trying to hear that. So you, we have to kind of give people our, our our very best because that's what gets us in the, in the conversation. But I think that the longer love goes, the more it's tested, the more it's tried, the deeper it becomes. Mm -hmm. And we need the fluffy moments. There's a line in a poem I wrote about people who want to go back to where their relationship started. And it's unrealistic because the, the line goes, those fluffy moments in the beginning are great, but that's not what makes us stay. It's the moments that we go out of our way to never walk away. Yeah. It's the fact that day after day, I still wake up and I expect to see your face. So if everything was perfect, then we would be out of place. Right. So the reality is that perfection is not real. It's just alluring and it'll, it, it, it draws us in. But once we're drawn in, now we got now the rubber meets the road. Now we got to put our money where our mouth is. How much staying power do we have in this relationship? Mm -hmm. And that's really what we need more than the fluffy moments in the beginning. 
And I think that once we start to value staying power, then something very unique happens. And then we, t- we like unlock a new level of love. Mm-hmm. And that is what we're trying to obtain, not necessarily the butterflies in the beginning. I agree. I think that a lot of times you see the relationship goals yeah. online and it's all the fluffy stuff. Oh, Absolutely. he bought her a car yep. or they're out doing this or they're at a vacation. It's like, what about the times that you wake up and y'all mad at each other about who left all the dishes in the sink? Yep. Yeah, y'all didn't argue the whole day, and now it's dinner time. And y'all like, okay, so what? What we gonna eat? Now we friends. Yep. You know what I mean? It's it's those moments that you know need to be more you know public, not public, but you know more normalized. You know, agreed. And I think that. Uh, so what has to happen with both spectrums of love, because we are, as a human race, we're pendulum swingers. There are people who chase only the fluffy side of love, which is why they find themselves in relationships in a very short term. Like, I like this person, this one might be the one. Last six months, then it's on to the next one. That continues to happen. And then you have the other group of people who sometimes have become so content with not doing any of the romantic things that they did in the beginning that the relationship seems to stay consistently boring. And that's also dangerous, right? The goal is to somehow try to find a way to swap that, right? Where those who are in the beginning and brand new with love get an opportunity to go through some ish first, right? Go experience some stuff with each other. Like, yeah, she's beautiful. She looks good, but you haven't seen her sick yet. Mm-hmm. Right. You haven't been there when I was married. I was married for 13 years. And even now, you know, I still value my ex-wife exponentially. Right. Like we're not together in any way, shape, form or, fa- or fashion. Ain't no situationships or nothing. But I still value her because I was there with her when she was in a hospital facing death. Right. I remember that. And I can never forget that for the rest of my life. My children would never be able to talk crazy to their mother or anything because there's still a big part of me that loves her because we went through it. Right. Mm -hmm. We experienced it. We experienced uh, financial ruin at times. We experienced traveling the world together. We experienced arguing when we were in the Dominican Republic. We've argued in different parts of this world. Right. Like and so those things are important, regardless of what that fluffy stuff is. It doesn't there's no staying power there. Because you got to go through it. Yeah. And once you've gone through it, now you have a responsibility if you're going to stay together to still manifest and 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 uh, develop romance. What makes him smile? What makes her feel good? Right. You still have a responsibility to each other because we give all this great stuff to people we barely know. But we won't even touch the surface with people we've been with for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's dangerous. That's how the the the, uh, the drift starts to happen, in my opinion. I feel like a lot of the younger generation doesn't have a lot of what you're discussing. Well, I take that back. I'm starting to see a little bit more of it with the younger generation, but I feel like a lot of them are temporary. A lot of them are, you know, you do one thing I don't like, and that's it. There isn't much you know, staying power, stay together, let's figure it out. Um, Or it isn't enough discovery in the beginning to know if this is going to be a compatible person for you. Um, I think a lot of people get caught up in the um, checking the boxes, Mm -hmm. you know, he he got this car, he got this job, he's this, he's that and vice versa. She's this, she's that. 
um, versus finding out if that person is really compatible with you. Absolutely. I think you could not be any more spot on than what you just said. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible says that uh, prettiness may be false, charm may be false, and prettiness may be uh, in vain, but the secret person of the heart lasts forever. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a moment in life where we're not going to look as good. There's going to be a moment in life where we won't be in phenomenal shape anymore, where our jokes won't give what they used to give, where our teeth aren't as bright and shiny or even there anymore, mm -hmm. right? And if we focus so heavily on this superficial idea of what love looks like, the way it dresses, the way it smells, the romantic trips and things, if we focus so much on that, we really miss the, the greater point of love. Right. Love is like the song goes, love is going to last. Love is going to last. But if it doesn't last, then it's not really love because God is love and God is forever. Mm -hmm. Right. So love, real, true love, consistent love, it doesn't fade. And I think that in this microwave generation, it's so easy to walk away from something just because you don't feel the vibe. But we treat our jobs, our relationships, and everything the same way. Oh, uh, you know what I'm saying? If you're not doing me, you're not making me feel good, I got to walk away. Well, how does that teach you conflict resolution? How does that teach you to face something that's uncomfortable? And those of us who've got some miles on us, we know, like, life is going to give you some moments where you can't walk away from it. Yeah, like, you're going to have to sit there and face it. For sure. So... The idea that I'm just going to find somebody else that matches my vibe and we're going to be happy for the rest of our lives without any low moments is completely, it's childish, childish it's immature, it's unrealistic, um, and it, it prepares us for what this life is really about. So, yeah, you know, the pendulum has swung completely the other way. And back in our parents' generation and their parents' generation, some of them stayed together too long. Yeah. You know, Grandpa Earl had seven families across town, mm -hmm. you know, but at that time, it was also a different socioeconomic environment because Grandma needed his money to take care of the kids she had. So she couldn't just divorce and walk away. It wasn't that easy, but on the same token, you know, they stayed together a lot longer, but it was also some very toxic situations that shouldn't have stayed together that long. And now we swung the pendulum the complete other way, which is the minute we get uncomfortable, we walk away. Mm -hmm. We gotta, we gotta stop going all the way. My ex-wife used to always say this: we go from A to Z, um, and we never find a way to get to the middle letter. And that's really what it's about. And and once you go like just like a, a real pendulum, the reason we swing so far away from one thing to the other is because that's how far we are away from God. And when we dig deeper and get closer to God, I believe as you go up the pendulum, the top of the pendulum hardly moves one way or the other. It's always the bottom of the pendulum that swings the furthest. Because that's our lowest vibration. But as we go up inside of ourselves and we start to learn organically who we really are, we start to have staying power. And the further up we go, the more we can hold fast. And I think that's really, you know, what love needs. Very well. And I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> Absolutely. The closer you get to God, this clarity, you know. I say. How did poetry, how did you find poetry? Like, how did it start? Mm. Um, so the, I was uh, 17 years old and I, I took a British literature class in high school. Okay. And at that time we were studying um, Edgar Allan Poe, um, uh, The Raven. I'm sure you guys all have heard that point. Okay. We all had to study it at some point. Um, and it was so dark. 
and like sad. And I don't know if you guys know much about Edgar Allan Poe, but he actually married his cousin yeah. who's 15 years old. And it's just really dark and just crazy stuff. And um, I used to write very similar poetry, not about marrying my cousin, but just about dark, dark things in general. <laughs> and every poem I wrote had like death in it or something, but it was a way for me to kind of emotionally dump. So I grew up without my dad. And for many years, I struggled with uh, my own identity, who I was and his absence in my life and that void. And so I wrote a lot of angry poetry. And then uh, one day I go home and deaf poetry comes on, mm -hmm. HBO. And I see Emerald Green from Chicago get on stage and she does this poem called Ready for Love. And I was like, what magic is this? <laughs> this is unbelievable. And then after Emerald Green, I saw Kanye West, and a young, most deaf, and you know, Black Ice, and Amir Suleiman, and Felicia Rashad, and all these celebrities getting on stage sharing poetry. And I told myself, I'm gonna do that one day. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get on stages, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna write, and people are gonna hear me, and they're gonna listen to me, and I'm gonna perform all over the world. And I was just 17 years old, just some pipe dream for a kid at the time. But then it happened, right? And so I just kept writing, and you know, now we look up almost 20 years later, and um, I've, I've traveled the world for this gift through the grace of God. And I've sat on the same stages with those people I used to watch on HBO. And through the grace of God, it's become, uh, it's become a, a, a source of life for me. Um, and I couldn't be any more happy than I am to be able to share this gift with the world. And that's amazing. so amazing that, you know, at a young age, where a lot of young men aren't able to use their voice or express themselves or they don't even know how to yeah. express themselves or have an outlet that you found poetry um because that gave you that voice that you know you didn't think you had you know as a kid though i was always so i was a bit different from most kids my age uh, i was always a little more sensitive than other guys my age but because i was born in inglewood sensitivity was uh, a, a negative trait to have. Absolutely. So I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily show that I was afraid. Like I grew up in the worst hoods in Chicago. Like my mom, we were, we, we were, we struggled a lot. My mom did her best, but we, we moved a lot, probably nine times before I turned 17. Um, and uh, every hood you had to just kind of learn to act tough. And so one thing I'd always been good with was the gift of gab. I could pretend like I was tough, but sometimes they're going to pull your card. And so people would not lose fight after fight after fight until finally I'm like, oh, there's enough of this. I'm going to learn how to use these hands. And so eventually I learned how to defend myself, but always deep, deep down, there was this very sensitive kid inside of me. And I always wanted to allow that kid to be expressive. And so first I started doing hip hop and rapping in the lunchroom with one of my close friends, Bird, and uh, rapping was accepted because everybody in the hood could rap, should rap, right? You're like, you're a young black kid, you should be rapping, right? You can't be coming to the, to the lunchroom table with poetry. And so I, I came and I was doing bars and they loved that. And then I got a, a measure of popularity in high school. Then I started sharing poetry, spoken word style, and it just caught fire. Uh, one of the coolest things now is that when I throw shows, in different states, or if I'm throwing a show here locally, looking out in the crowd and seeing people who I went to high school with, or when they'll come up to me and like ask me to sign one of my albums or buy one of my shirts, or they'll inbox me. Like, man, I remember when you were doing poetry 
here or here. And it's just like, it's almost surreal for me, you know, like just kind of comes back full circle. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's very cool. Right. It's almost like you're demanding that. I love to hear when people find their passion and what they feel like their life is being led to do. You end Absolutely. up in very early stages have this, this attitude of I'm going to do that one day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think without that, um, yeah. you know, is it really truly your passion? But I love that. And even in the mix of as you're going through it and learning, you know, this is how I want to perform when I'm on the stage. Um, you still have that passion to continue on and, and do it. Yeah. So Hundred percent. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. Absolutely. So another question. So I don't know if it is it is it currently a battle between Eros and the Prince of Poetry, um, <laughs> or are you like have you decided on a name, or are you, is you know are is are these people two different people, two different personalities? How how does that work? That's a great question. Um, no, they're the same person. So <clears throat> uh, the Prince of Poetry was a name I gave myself. Well, I thought, okay, so I know I've never shared this. So you guys are getting the exclusive right here. So Ooh, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> I thought Prince of Poetry was such a humble name. And I, I was so excited to share why I came up with it. So people would say, why are you naming yourself the Prince of Poetry? Because Eros is fairly new. Um, but I said, well, I call myself the Prince of Poetry because all the people who wrote, this is literally my script. I've been saying this since I was 18. Uh, all the people who wrote poetry before us were the kings and queens. And because I come up under their tutelage, I'm going to always be a prince of the art, right? So prince of poetry. Right. But then it got awkward because I, I would go on like tours or go on the road with like other artists and people like, what's your name? I'm Geronimo Speaks or I'm K-Love or I'm, you know, Emerald Green. And their names were so quick and catchy. And I'm like, I'm the prince of poetry. There's no way to shorten that. It's just like this extra long name. I'm, like, I'm okay. Nice to meet you, the Prince of Poetry. Now, how does that even work? Everybody else's name sounds like a regular name, and I'm just like, I probably should change my name. And nothing about what I talked about had anything remotely to do with being a prince. It was just poetry. And so, the name Eros came along because if you listen to my poems, if you listen to my album, if you read my books, you'll see that I talk a lot about uh, romantic love. Mm -hmm. I talk about love, period, self-love, you know, all four facets of love, as is explained in, in the Bible, which is, you know, uh, storge, philia, agape, and, and eros love. But I spend most of my time talking about love between two, two spirits, two people. And I felt eros made so much sense because when you think of me, you should think of a feeling that I'm encouraging you to, to develop. Um, inside of my poem. And so Eros now is the name. The Prince of Poetry now is just more of the title. So it's Eros, the Prince of Poetry. That was definitely, your name was definitely interesting. That was going to be something I brought up because when I <clears throat> looked it up, it was like one of the four types of love. It's the erotic, passionate love. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's a little deep. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, but, it's also the Greek god of love. Uh, so a lot of people take the Greek uh, approach to it. But uh, I remember a pastor came up to me one time. I was performing at his church, and he saw Eros on my shirt. He's like, "Oh, you, you believe in the Greek god of love?" And he, you know, he was cracking a joke. But I actually used this as a teaching point. Like, well, actually, scripturally, Eros is in the Bible. It's it's a it's a Hebrew word meaning 
love, right? And so then I, I talked about oh, Greek word meaning love. So uh, eros, philia, storge, and agape. And he was like, oh yeah, that's right. So it's one of the four four versions of love. It's not just based on Greek mythology. It's actually, you know, one of the versions that we show. And I think that really eros love is a big part of the reason why a lot of us are breathing air today because our parents fell in love or had a moment of love and they created us. And so this is the topic of love that I could talk about all day. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, that's beautiful. You know, <laughs> I, I know you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, like relationships that we've seen um, growing up and I've seen like my parents, um, mm -hmm. other family members who have, you know, went through the process of having children and now the children are gone, you know, and they're still together. Um, yeah. I, I attribute a lot of my feelings about love around my parents because they're so cute and they're still together, you know, yeah. and they hold hands when no one's um, watching. They fight, you know, and it's yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's that's definitely for me, like the kind of love that that I'm looking for. Um, do you find that uh, love is fearful? Like, are you fearful? of love? Can you have one without the other? Well, love itself is, it's impossible for love to be fearful. Mm -hmm. um, that would be like saying God is fearful. Mm -hmm. uh, what people are afraid of is not love. They're afraid of losing it. Right. Uh, and like a lot of people will say things like, you know, uh, love hurts or, you know, love, you know, it did this to me or yeah, I let myself fall in love. And really, love is never the enemy it's always the absence of love always mm -hmm. if two people are really truly in their bag when it comes to love there is no fear there there is nothing but safety and confidence and excitement in that space but what scares people is when they fall in love and it's not reciprocated when it's one-sided and now that's scary that's where the fear kicks in and now it's not oh i'm scared of how in love i am you're scared of how you believe that being this this heavily in love is getting ready to hurt you. But if two people are madly in love, they're not sitting there exercising their fear. They're living in bliss in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that we, I think it's impossible though for us to truly like, not, not impossible, but it's rare that we can find ourselves in love without fear because we have so many traumas. We have so many bad experiences. We have so many moments where we saw two people who claim to be in love fail. We watched it. TV shows show it. Movies. We hear it on songs. So every time we, we see, get more confirmation of somebody breaking up, it gives us confirmation bias that love ain't real or it don't last. And so people become critical and they become cynical of the idea of love because we've seen so many stories gone bad right you take any couple that people used to call goals like will and jada i remember back in the day like even alicia keys has that song like i want to love like will and jada and we was like oh yeah this is great and right. then all that scandal and all this crazy stuff starts coming out and now people are like see this is why i don't want to do it they immediately just go inside their their trauma burrows because yeah. it's a safe space but i think that we have to first learn to address where those traumas come from learn to not let them have as much control over us so we can learn to love even in spaces where it may not last forever because the minute that we take love 
and I want to make sure I say this correctly, love is only in the now. It is not tomorrow. It is not yesterday. Love is right now. And what happens with love while we have it right now, we tell ourselves, I wonder if I'll have this tomorrow. And when we think about if we're going to have love tomorrow, then we cannot value it while it's right here, right now. And what often happens is we're so focused on tomorrow that we can't learn to value the now. Mm -hmm. And if you're fearful of love, you're not living in it. You're focused on a, a place and time that doesn't exist. Um, and that's how I see that. Well said. You know what I wanted to know? What inspires your pieces? Like an embarrassingly in love. Like, was there a situation or how do you get inspired to write the pieces? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> You know, I don't like, uh, I try to, uh, hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I want to try to answer this uh, as diplomatically as you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wrote Embarrassingly in Love when I was probably at my lowest from a heartbreak standpoint. Mm. And I wrote it actually, so what most people don't know about that poem it's funny when you listen to Embarrassingly in Love, because people are like, oh yeah, I love that. That's right, it gives all these everybody butterflies. But the truth of the matter is I wrote Embarrassingly in Love when I least believed in it. Mm. I wrote it as like a cool little love story, like some idea that doesn't really exist. An idea. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was almost like a, this is my manifestation of what I would like it to feel like this love that was so safe and so protecting and, you know, it just covered you and you just wanted to spend all your time around it. And that was at a time where I felt like I was experiencing anything but that. And so what inspires my other pieces though, typically is that very feeling of love. Like I've, I talk about it so much. I think that this world has such a strong agenda of hatred. Mm -hmm. And it is my job, I am here on earth to thwart that agenda. And the gift God gave me to do that is through poetry. And so that's my calling. And I'm supposed to keep writing about it until I don't have any more ink in any of the pens that I can find and my hands don't work anymore and my voice stops working and that's when I'll stop. But until then, I have to do this. You found your purpose. That's beautiful. Oh. I don't know if this is a okay question to ask, but I'm sure our audience will want to know, are you currently in a relationship? Like, are you in the now of love and all that it encompasses in your Um, You're asking a hard question. So, okay, so you've been silent this whole time, but now you're trying to get to the nitty gritty. Um, all right. Um, well, he's known as the silent killer. So, yeah, exactly. um, so I am experiencing, um, I have been dating. Um, and I am experiencing um, the now with love. Every, every, but every situation I've ever dated, or every, any situation I've ever dated, I've tried to be present. But after my divorce, I made a lot of mistakes. I was also a pendulum swinger. Mm. I did everything I could to try to find relationships that were nothing like what I had experienced, what I felt like for 13 years. And what I realized was, I wasn't just running away from what I didn't like about my ex-wife. I was also running away from what I didn't like about me. And I tried to find relationships that made it easy for me to escape the me that I was, you know, that I didn't want to admit that I was. 
Um, so for the first time now, I've done some of the real work and I've really gotten a chance to know who I am. And uh, in this space of love now, then yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely living in the now. I'm enjoying it and I'm learning. I'm not as quick to brag on my own goodness. That's something I felt myself doing a lot when I was married the first time. I felt like I always wanted people to know how great of a husband I was. But now I'm not focused on selling it to anyone. I'm just focused on being a good mate. And that's all I care about. And I don't care about my own viewpoint of me being a good mate. I want the person that I'm with to believe that I'm a good mate. And their opinion is the one that matters here. But first, you have to trust their opinions. And so I've been really working on finding someone whose opinions I can trust, who doesn't, you know, gaslight me or, you know, enjoy playing victim. All those things are important, but you cannot get to that place. I cannot get to that place until I first enrolled in therapy and started to heal myself. And then I was in the best, better position to pick. Awesome. I yeah. think it's also awesome that you mentioned that you enroll in therapy because not only is therapy taboo in the black community, um, yeah. there's even a bigger taboo around black men in therapy. Um, so if you don't mind elaborating on that a little bit, um, how did you, you know, was this your first experience with therapy or has you also had to like break through that stigma of, therapy is for white people type of thing. My sister was killed last year in June and uh, it was the lowest I had ever felt uh, in my life. She was uh, murdered on uh, 62nd in Artesian. Her name is Nyoka Bowie. Um, I try to mention my sister's name whenever I can. Yeah. And uh, I remember how murderous I felt. And it's strange, it's rare for me to feel murderous, like being a murderous rage, because I speak so much on love and forgiveness and all these things. And so when Nyoka was killed, I was in a low space. And um, I knew I needed to talk to somebody. And I was dealing with, you know, my own insecurities. I was at the height of my uh, divorce and I was paying God knows Twenty thousand dollars, you know, plus in attorney fees. I was at risk of losing my home. It was at the height of the COVID nineteen uh, uh, pandemic. My daughter was living with me full time. Um, we were, you know, struggling for food. I had, I was a broker doing insurance over the road at that time, and I just wasn't able to land any deals. And it, it was just everything was just the walls were just crashing in, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Everything I touched, it felt like I was failing at everything. And I knew that the issue was not anything outside of self. The issue was me. I was self-destructing on the inside. So how can I create anything when I'm destroying everything? So I had to enroll in therapy and try to get to the heart of what was, what was, what was I really feeling. I hadn't properly processed grief. I had to, you know, go to the, the, the morgue to identify my sister, my sister's body. I had, you know, just a year prior to that, buried my grandmother and I wrote her obituary. And then a month prior to that, my cousin, he died in prison. He was only 34 years old. And then, you know, it was just like thing after thing after thing after thing. And there was just so many people that we were losing. And so uh, I just had to first admit to myself that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that strong. 
like, you know, like, and we, everybody's like, hey, nobody ever checks on the strong friend. That's the thing we say. And now it's so trendy and so cliche for people to say it. But the truth of the matter is that uh, all of us can break. Yeah. Every single one of us. Ain't no strong, ain't no weak. We're just people. Yeah. And we're going to have strong moments. We're going to have weak moments. And yes, it's good. You can get through some of your weak moments that would have broke other people. But those people can still rise up and get past it. And so I had to just do what it took. What's strong is doing what it takes to refortify yourself. Absolutely. That's where the strength is. Lying to yourself and pretending to just keep going and nothing impacts you and nothing phases you and saying all is well, I'm good. That's not strength. Those are words. Mm-hmm. But actually doing the work to refortify yourself is important to me. And so that's where I am in life now. You know, I'm, I'm just constantly refortifying myself, reteaching myself, unlearning bad habits and, and unpacking the things that, you know, got me in that low space in the first place. Thank you so much for that. I'm so glad that, you know, you were able to uh, tap into therapy. It's something that, you know, we've also had to embrace as well for, you know, different various reasons. Like you said, we all grew up in these communities and, you know, and just in our culture period of having to be strong, tough and not, you know, deal with feelings and emotions and, you know, just bury that stuff and keep it moving and, you know, keep that strong front. But I like the older I get, the <laughs> the things that I've learned is also that I'm not yeah. as, as, you know, I have uh, thought I was or that other people may have perceived me to be. Um, and it's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a point in time where I just had a adverse reaction to being called strong. Like, it just pissed me off to my core because yep. it's like, I don't want to be strong. I, I help me. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to be soft. I want to be like nurtured, like help. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a tough moment in my life. You spoke about losing your sister. That was during the time um, I mentioned that I was married. My husband passed in 2019. I'm so and- sorry. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry to hear about your sister as well. And literally a week later, I I went to therapy and the therapist was like, your husband's just that. And I was like, I know if I'm not here, it's going to go all the way bad. Like, it's going to go all the way bad for me. So um, just having that self-reflection of being able to say, look, I need it. I need help. (laughs) I need help. And getting that help is, you know, something I'm, I'm a champion for. Like, do it. That's so strong. Mm-hmm. Like, being honest with yourself, uh, it's often the thing that we struggle with the most because we try to paint, we paint ourselves the world a certain way because we're pro- kind of programmed to do that. But then we also paint ourselves to ourselves a certain way. Like we want, we want to tell ourselves that we're something that we're not often. Like we, we imagine what we'd like to be and then we convince ourselves that that's what we are. But you really aren't that until you are that, right? And so you have to allow yourself the room to become the thing that you want to be. You can't just wake up one day and say, I'm already that, so I don't have to do any work behind it. No, you do, right? And so what's, what is that work? And being strong is the ability. I'm sorry, go ahead. Point is the the living in the moment thing. Yeah, because sometimes yeah. we fight battles of things that we haven't even gone through yet. Hundred percent. A possible result, or you know, um, 
it's, it's looking like the recession's coming, so layoffs may be coming. Yeah. Uh, I'm learning to, and I'm definitely not there, but I'm learning to live in the moment a lot more yeah. um, because the energy that we waste, you know, thinking about what could possibly happen. Yes. Uh, you know, it's wasted energy when something may not even happen. Now you're like <laughs> concentrated on what could have been. For um, nothing. For nothing. Point, in love, you have to do the same. You have to, and life. You have to live your life in the moment, no matter what, until you get that news or, you know, till something happens. So. Yeah, it reminds me of the, uh, the scripture that says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to put on. And then after that, my favorite part of that scripture is the latter part of the verse where it says, uh, sufficient for each day is its own worries. Right. So what we tend to do, though, is we go remember what stressed us out yesterday. Then we think about what we're going to worry about for tomorrow and we bring it all into today. Well, we can't do nothing about what already happened. What happened is right where it belongs in the past. And we can't even get tomorrow because we don't even know if we're going to be here tomorrow. Right. So sufficient for today is enough things to deal with. And although we know that, we don't always apply our wisdom to moving in that space. We still try to deal with tomorrow's issues now. And then we revisit yesterday's woes today. So we never get a chance to get to today. Because mm-hmm. we're so busy chewing on meals that, that are long gone or that we've not even had a chance to eat yet. Yeah. So 100% agree. Well, now would be a perfect time for us to ask if you would <laughs> do another poem for us. Sure, I would. Before we do that, before we do that, okay, I'm going to be greedy. Let me ask you one more question. Sure. Um, how do you demonstrate love? Mm. Great question. So uh, I believe that we should all become polyglots with love. And the term polyglot is uh, just a fancy way of saying multilingual, right? So if a person speaks multiple languages, um, anybody who speaks more than one language is immediately a bigger asset to, than someone who speaks just one. Because now you're able to communicate to a broader scope of people. We should be the same way with love. We're also focused on what's my love language. I like gifts or acts of service or words of affirmation or quality time or physical touch. And we get so focused on which of these love languages are the best. Like, I don't care about the gifts. Spend time with me. Or, I don't care about you spending time with me. Hold my hand. Or I don't care about that. Just tell me that you love me. Or if you see I got a deadline I'm trying to meet, come in my office and staple some pamphlets together for me. Acts of service. And so all those things are great. But the way I try my best to demonstrate love is I work very diligently to do all of them. Every single one. Mm -hmm. And I believe that just because a person's preference is one thing doesn't mean they shouldn't try to get a chance. They shouldn't get the chance to experience all of them. Yes, she may love acts of service, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't need flowers. And maybe she don't like flowers. Maybe she like coffee mugs. Get her those. Shout out to the coffee business getting ready Thank to come to the colonnade. So coming soon. Can't wait for that. But yeah, you know, you, you you get her or him exactly what you know speaks to their spirit and more. 
right? And that's that's God, right? We God doesn't just give us just the thing we ask for. He gives us so much more. Think about it. Like, you pray for something for so long, God, please give me this. I want this so bad. And then you get it and you're happy. And the sun is shining. Mm-hmm. You didn't ask for that sun to shine, but it's yeah. still given to you. And what a gift that is. And that's how we should move in love. We shouldn't so focus so solely on providing our mates with just this one thing they ask for. Give them everything. Give them all of it. And hopefully you find somebody who moves in a similar vibration, who wants to give you the same thing. Yeah. You know, um, and that is the ultimate prayer because selfishly as humans, nobody wants to love without reciprocity. Nobody wants to love just for the sake of love. And I don't care what anybody says. People love to say like, well, you only love it. You know, if you did it just to get something then that's not really real love, whatever. Like I ain't nobody trying to hear that. As human beings, it is in our nature to want to receive back something for what we give. That is not human nature. Now it doesn't mean you should selfishly do things just to get something. But the, and the reality is, if I'm going to love on you, I at least want to feel loved on back. Mm-hmm. And that's just human nature. So be a polyglot. Give everything you can. Learn multiple love languages. And that's how I try to demonstrate my love in every way I can. I'm going to tell you I love you. I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to buy you flowers. I'm going to work with you at work. And, you know, I'm going to spend quality time with you. We're going to sit up and we're going to watch some movies together. And. I'm going to cook dinner, you know, like those are the things I enjoy doing, but I also enjoy having those things done back for me. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I think all of my love, uh, all of my love languages are all of them too. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. Okay. Now Bianca, I'm sorry. Uh, Deanna, did you have something else? No, I thought we were going to let him give us another point. Yeah. Yep. Well, I was going to let you all tell me what I should talk about. So we can do a poem about intimacy. We can do a poem about heartbreak. We can do poems about toxic relationships. Let's keep, nah. it, let's keep it lovingly. Let's do the intimacy. Yeah. Intimacy? Okay. So this is a poem I wrote called uh, Last Night. Last Night. Wow. Last night. How? Last night we we howled. The way we make love felt zealous. It was like we could even make the angels jealous. You see, they've never seen two human beings who can fly without wings or ascend to heights that not even the angels have ever been. We were intimate. And there was a certain flavor in your favor, like like I was eating intimates. No thoughts of ending it, even when we finished and I was inside of you. I sat and had a conversation with your lower vibrations. I talked to your traumas. I even spoke to your subconscious about everything that makes you self-conscious. And you said, Eros, now that you're inside of me, I need you to learn to love every single side of me. You said, do more than have sex with this body. I need you to love me on a level more godly. My body be where God be. You see, having access to you physically was really just the smallest part of it. You've been with men who loved your shape, but that doesn't mean they could differentiate when you were bent out of it. That's why every time love started, you were always stopping it. That's why you took your open heart and you put a lock on it because you needed to feel secure. So you boxed your love behind a metal door. 
safe. But that's not where you wanted it to stay. But you hadn't yet found a better place. So look at us. Here we lay, sitting centimeters apart hands on each other's hearts. I pump my love into your chest while giving you my breath. We call that CPR. See, we are still recovering. And this is where our deepest love is. We were the first ones to discover it. No Christopher Columbus, we laughed at your other lovers. They couldn't find your spot with a compass. There is so much more it encompasses. But baby, we accomplished it. And the moon, the moon watched us with envy as we took full advantage of the nighttime. It felt like it lasted a lifetime. You haven't made love until you've made love to your lifeline. I swear to God, I'm gonna wife mine. Have you ever had sex so good you had to sit and write lines while sipping white wine? We walk a fine line between flesh and spirit. I believe we kindled our ancestors when we slept together. And the climax, the climax lasted forever. I believe we came again when we exited each other. No secret lovers, we love out loud. Last night, wow. Last night, how? Last night we, we howled, we, we gave each other our best. You ever manifest during sex? Process your pain? Sex after that is never the same. It's intense and insane. There was no rain made to extinguish twin flames. We bear all the heavens erupt in applause, proud of our cause because so many people focus on the physical that they don't seem to realize that sex is spiritual. But who the hell cares about other people when we sit here blessed enough to make love to our equal? We are all yearning for that. I believe it's worth a lifetime searching for that. And if I could never take another breath after the fact, it would have all been worth it for that. Last night, That was, that was really good. Really <laughs> I'm trying not to sink in my seat, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's all in me. Okay. That was absolutely beautiful. That was absolutely amazing. And thank you, thank you thank so you. much for coming on our show and literally just simplifying love. Like you simplified it, um, you thank made you. it make sense. So I hope a lot of people hear this message, hear your, um, your spoken word. And, and realize love is not as complicated as it seems. Not at um, So not thank enough. you very, very much. Thank and you so much. Healing for people as well to, you know, hear this and realize that, you know, for people who feel like you mentioned love is hard or love is whatever, um, people say typically like love hurts and things like that. This is definitely healing for people. Absolutely. We've done our job. You all asked great questions, Shelly, Bianca, Bianca. I appreciate you all. You all are all just beautiful spirits. And just thank you for having me. Thank you for your smiles. Thank you for your great questions. Thank you for your energy. Um, this is the kind of uh, dialogue that the world needs to see. These are the conversations we should all be having. Um, 
I believe that this is part of our responsibilities as, as human beings is to create a better world. And, you know, people can't be what they can't see. So yeah. thank you all for creating this. Yeah. And that's that was a word right there. Um, if you have any upcoming event or show that they could come check yeah. you out. Yes. I am so glad you asked. <laughs> so me and Geronimo Speaks are throwing the second in history event. Uh, we threw the first one in October. This is the second time it's ever been done. We're throwing an event at the Sears Tower, a.k.a. the Willis Tower, uh, February 11th on the 66th floor um, in the Michigan room. It's a Valentine's Day show slash Aquarius Gala. Our birthdays are both in February. Mine's is February 9th. His is February the 7th. And we're going to do Valentine's Day with a spin. It's not for couples and just for people who are booed up. We're going to use the night as a way to just celebrate the idea and the ideals we have around love. And we're going to celebrate every single person in this room. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be a uh, dress to impress event, uh, cocktail attire after five dress, uh, three course dinner, cash bar. We got some poets from Deaf Poetry coming in, Emerald Green, a Peabody Award winner, Abyss, uh, Mara Love, me, Geronimo Speaks, the Javon Watson Band, um, live DJ, live music. It's going to be an absolutely amazing night of poetry, love, and self-reflection. So if you all are able to make it, I will be so happy to see you in the building. I'm very excited about that. But if you're not able to make it, for now, you can just download my album, the Love Her album, which is streaming everywhere on every platform. It's called the Love Her album. Love Her is one word. Um, and it just basically embodies the essence of woman and how we need to learn to love women in every facet that they exist in, from our daughters to our mothers, to our significant others, to our sisters, um, and in every essence that a woman can exist in. Awesome. And the adventure having tell people where they can uh, buy tickets. Yes, they can go on Eventbrite and just search a lovely night above the lights. A lovely night above the lights. And uh, all tickets are there right on Eventbrite. There are group packages available. There are couples nights. There are single tickets. There are sponsorship packages that can be purchased. So if you guys want to come and check us out, feel free to do so. Yes, we will. I hate to make a commitment for <laughs> I check in with the team, but right. I think I must find my place myself in the in the place. Okay, yeah. so that's right. That's right. Um, where can our audience find you on social media? Yeah, great question. So I am the Prince of Poetry everywhere. You can Google me. You can find me on TikTok at the Prince of Poetry, Facebook at the Prince of Poetry. You can find me on Instagram at the Prince of Poetry. Um, you can find me on Cash at at Eros the Poet. Um, I'm on Cash App the most. You can feel free to reach out to me anytime there. Uh, but no, seriously. Uh, you can also find my uh, my books uh, on Amazon. Uh, and again, my music is streaming everywhere you find music. So just Google The Prince of Poetry. All my social media will come up. You'll find me. Wonderful. Absolutely amazing. Thank you again for coming on our show. We hope to have you on again very soon. Looking forward um, to it. Yes. So, you know, don't go too far. I won't. Thank you for having me, ladies. God bless you. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was amazing. Wasn't it? <laughs> it was so great. I, I loved the conversation. Yes. Loved the conversation. The poems were out of this world. Yeah.
I was thinking in my seat. I, I'm trying to hold myself up, but I'm like, oh, right. I'm, I'm the weak one. Here I go. <laughs> Should I start crying? Like, that's really the that was some tears. Oh, man. I'm like, oh, Lord, how do we keep it? How do we keep it? Uh, but he is absolutely amazing. Like I, like I was saying, um, you know, when he was on screen, that he, he simply puts love. And I think... I think that was just clarifying, you know, um, mm -hmm. and to hear it come from a male, a male, you know, mm -hmm. um, doesn't, love is not complicated, you know, it's, it's basically, not. it don't even have to be, it's just not, it's just people that make it complicated or difficult or whatever. And it, then it's not love. It's just the people that, either misused it, mis misrepresented, you know. Or are fearful of it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, you know, I think people need to have more confidence when it comes to love because while the story may not end, you know, the way that you would rather it end with this person you are in love with, maybe that is for the better, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is for the better of your life so you can open, your heart can open up to where your heart should be um but yeah absolutely amazing guess yeah I'm like, um, oh i wonder if he would write us a poem or you know i could see <laughs> incorporated in events that we throw or something oh i was thinking yeah. that in my head I, I wasn't gonna say that loud i was like mm. i said it i told him in the beginning be like, <laughs> i told him in the beginning like we're doing pop-ups and things like that yeah. and he would be you know amazing when he was at LaShonda's, um, Wine. wine opening <laughs> um you know he was able to her wine tasting he was able to you know stop the room you know and and women over wine and there were men there too but you know it it was just it was just uh, enlightening you know and it's always really enlightening to see that coming from a male well you know? yeah. thank you guys for tuning in thank you Kelly. we definitely <laughs> appreciate you guys always supporting uh definitely go check out arrows um you know he mentioned the event that he has coming up check him out on all his social media and as we say in parting keep it brewing keep it brewing, keep it brewing.